Well, here we are, episode one, Growth for Educators. This is attempt number five or six now. I, I don't know, I'm losing track, and I just can't quite seem to get it right for me. And so here we go, episode or episode one, attempt number six or seven now. And uh, my name's Chad McFarlane. I am the host for Growth for Educators and I guess founder, if you will. I am now a former educator. I am a real estate agent, and I am someone who is passionate about change for education, but change in a different way. And that's kind of what this podcast is about. Our focus is to provide tactical information, tips, um, useful things for educators to become better in the classroom, to be happier human beings, and to implement the change that we all know is needed. In education. Unfortunately, the change that we know is needed is never pushed. And that's my focus, is to help push that change that's needed in education. So I appreciate you taking the time today to um, listen and kind of find out what Growth for Educators is about. Um, you can find us, it's real quick, uh, spiel. Um, you can find us on Instagram at growth for the number four educators. You can find us on Facebook um, at growth for educators. And um, so I hope you'll take the time to reach out and um, kind of check us out and leave us information, give us suggestions. Um, what do you want to hear? And, and so we'll kind of dive in today about what the plan is, what the goal is, the outline for this podcast. And, and um, for this first episode, I'm going to give you a little background information about myself and then kind of talk about what I'm doing right now and how I got there, and then um, talk about the state of education, at least from my point of view, and the change that is necessary. And uh, so that's the goal for this first episode. Again, this is attempt number six or seven, and I'm going to get this bad boy hammered down, I guarantee it. Um, the plan, the outline for this podcast is pretty simple. Provide you as an educator tactical tips and data um, to implement in your life as a human being. Now, we're not gonna dive a lot into assessment strategies and um, reading, how to improve reading comprehension and how to do uh, mathematics better. It's not this, that's not what this is about and that's not the change that's needed in education. But every year at professional development days, throughout the school year, over the summer, we are bombarded with um, classroom management strategies. We're bombarded with assessment strategies, how to improve attendance for assessments. Do we provide this pizza party? Do we provide them cookies with, with after? How to improve um, graduation numbers. We, we are bombarded with uh, those types of, of things, those, I don't know what you call them, those packages, the districts buy that that teach us assessment tips and tricks and how to improve graduation numbers and how to reduce suspensions. But we never talk about what really works. Relationships. Relationships with kids and relationships with each other as educators. We never talk about personal care for teachers, self-care. We never talk about how we treat each other and how we are treating the kids. There's just an expectation and a demand on the kids from us that has been pushed down by districts 
by district level administrators on the next best, greatest strategy. And we never talk about us. So that's the goal here, is to work on us, for you to work on you, to get tactical tips and information on how to change you. If you don't want to change, hopefully we can influence that a little bit. But the other side of this is, I'm a firm believer that there are people in classrooms right now that do not belong there. And that's okay. Totally okay if you don't belong in a classroom. Nobody would ever hold that against you. But what they'll never forget is the way you treat kids. The kids won't forget that. Your peers, your coworkers will never forget that. And that's the piece that we need to remember as we head into classrooms year after year. Is this for me? And I think it's important to reevaluate every single school year at the end, over the summer, and then before we get in. And you know what? If you have to bail in August, you bail in August. It's better to be happy than to be miserable for nine more months because you're going to impact how many hundreds of kids over those nine months because you're not happy. So um, lots of information for future episodes for sure. So let's kind of get started with this first episode. A um, little background information about be, about me. It, my, my name is Chad McFarland. Um, I live in the Kansas City area in a, in a nice little town called Olathe, Kansas. I am currently recording this in my home office. Um, yep, I am no longer in education. I left in June of 2018 of this, of this last school year. And it was a difficult decision. And um, not really going to go into the, the hows and whys and whos of why I left um, this, this particular episode, but there will be time for that. Um, the, the bottom line, the short of it is, I left in June because, um, number one, it was time for something new. And number two, I needed to make a statement. And that might sound egotistical or awful, but um, nobody was listening otherwise. And so um, as, as, as this goes on, we'll, we'll find out that um, people did start to pay attention once I left, and they paid attention in a big way. So um, I am originally from Winfield, Kansas, if you need to know that. Small town in South Central Kansas. Not a lot of diversity there, um, as most small towns in the Midwest. There's just not a ton of diversity. So I grew up with a lot of ideas that come from small towns, um, kind of drilled into my head, and not necessarily pushed on by my parents, but you know, you always hear adults say things, um, whether they're your teachers or your parents or your friends of parents or whatever the case is, you hear things. And so um, you always kind of wonder, and then when you live in a small town and you don't see a lot of different things, um, eventually you kind of start to develop these ideas that, well, that must be true. And uh, i tell you what, moving to a metro like Kansas City, and <laughs> you learn a lot of different things pretty quickly. And for, I've been very fortunate in my background working in education and the people that I've worked with to learn about a lot of different things and um, has really helped shape and mold who I am as a human being, as an educator. Um, graduated from Kansas State University in 2003. Got my first job teaching at a Job Corps campus in Manhattan, Kansas. Taught there for a year and a half. Moved over to uh, Lathe, Kansas after I met my wife. 
Um, we got married. I started teaching at the juvenile detention center here in Johnson County. If you've, if you know anything about Kansas City area or the Midwest, Johnson County is one of the richest counties, wealthiest counties in the world, or I mean in the United States. It is also one of the poorest. There is quite the difference in um, rich and poor here. It's it's quite astonishing, to be honest with you. Um, so I taught at the jail there for uh, about a year and a half as well. I was a classroom teacher teaching all subjects and wasn't really allowed to teach, however. I facilitated a classroom with 20 kids every day that worked on worksheets. Um, that's how it was set up, and it drove me crazy. I uh, was not really allowed to do classroom management in the beginning, but by the end of my time there, um, I was allowed to do that, and it was fantastic. It turned out really, really well. Uh, we opened, Latham School District opened a program. With, the program had already been open, actually. It had been open for quite a while, but we opened a new building. And the program I moved to was called the SOAR program. Uh, stood for, at the time, Students on an Alternative Route and was developed. The program's probably going on 30 years old, 31, 32 years old now. was originally developed for kids who were credit deficient and just needed a little catch-up. And so they would go into this program and do paper-based contract work. And if they finished the class in three weeks, they finished it in three weeks. If they finished it in nine weeks, then nine weeks. Or if they took one for an entire semester, then that's what they did. Generally, our kids worked faster, though. It was cut down to the nuts and bolts of the curriculum. So there was not a lot of extra fluff. There was no homework unless they were behind and needed to take some stuff home. Um, they got all the work done there in class. And then teachers essentially were tutors and were there to provide assistance. As that program evolved and developed, um, we started to take on more kids. We brought in elective teachers like myself to be an art teacher. Uh, we had PE and health and wellness. Uh, we started some nutrition stuff, some psychology. We started to really kind of dive into some more elective things. And, and over the years, the program transitioned to more of a traditional high school feel, but much, much smaller. So we went from 30 kids in the morning and 30 different ones in the afternoon to at our highest, we were about 120, 125, maybe close to 130 at one point, all day long in the same small building. And we outgrew that pretty quick. And the need for a new building arose. Spent four, the last four years of my career with the LA School District helping plan that and um, they opened that this school year in August was the first uh, first time with kids in that building. Um, it's a beautiful space, absolutely fantastic. It's three levels, lots of open opportunities, lot open space in the building, um, learning stairs and classrooms with glass walls and technology, all the things that schools are today. Um, and then I resigned in June. <laughs> so I did not actually get to open that building. That was the plan. And again, we'll kind of dive into that in another episode in why I chose to resign. Um, so that's kind of my background in education. So when I did resign, um, I had already been doing real estate as a real estate, as a realtor for a year and a half before that. I had started in August of 2016 to supplement my income. 
my district, I was doing administrative duties and I was being paid as a teacher. Um, I don't think I need to say a whole lot about that because if you're listening to this, you're probably an educator or you know my background and my story and you understand how frustrating that was. While it's not about the money, it is nice to be recognized for what you do. And um, I received a lot of praise for what I did, but when I asked about receiving the compensation for doing uh, extremely difficult, responsible, um, but rewarding work, I was told many, many times, it's just not a good time. Well, it's never a good time. I mean, there's just no, never, never a great time for things. But so um, after four years, I'd kind of hit my limit. Um, two years into that stint, I decided to, to do something on the side. And that's where real estate came from. And in my first six or nine months, um, I was, I think, $3,000 shy of replacing my income in education. And that was in about six to nine months worth of work. All in, when you add up the hours, I was probably between 20, maybe 30, maybe 40 hours over that time, uh, with that time frame over those six to nine months, 40 hours worth of work to um, make up $48,000 in commission sales. Um, I sold two and a half, almost two and a half million dollars worth of real estate. Um, my commission was about $48,000 after taxes and all that good stuff, you know, didn't leave me with much, but the seed was planted that in six to nine months, I replaced almost my entire income in education. What could I do full time? The plan was never to go full time. The plan was to stay with my district and my program and because I love it. I absolutely love working with those kids and my staff was fantastic. But, you know, person can only take so much. So I chose in June to resign, um, knowing what I could do in six to nine months, that I could probably replicate that full time. And uh, so that's what I've been doing since June. Um, I also have started doing some social media marketing and management, helping some people with the things that I've learned um, learning how to turn that kind of into a business. And so it's it's been really fun doing those learning things and being able to stand in front of people and teach something. Um, I do miss that part. I do miss the education and the teaching and working with people. And so when I get to stand in front of someone and talk to them about things that I've learned and how this can help them do that or whatever, it rejuvenates me to uh, be in front of people again. I get excited about it. So I've learned kind of how to take that piece and turn it into a little bit of a, another little side hustle. So real estate, social media marketing, and then I've got this going on, growth for educators. And this is where I want the meat and the potatoes to be. This is where my passion is. I love selling real estate and I love working with clients, um, but I don't get the same kick out of it that I do working with educators and helping them grow. So for me, um, in my last 18 to 24 months of my educational career, I really started to pay attention to my physical, emotional, and financial health. Before, I had never considered those things. Never. I was coaching football every day on the way to practice. I would leave during my plan time, 
stop at Quick Trip and I would get a 32 ounce Pepsi and a bag of sour gummy worms or peanut M&Ms. It's one of the two. It's every single day, five days a week. It's pretty cool. And then on Saturdays for film session, bring in a donut and some chocolate milk. Pretty awesome. And I wasn't working out. I got up to about 250 pounds, was really unhappy. And between all that was going on in my bro- my program with my district and my salary and the responsibilities and expectations, between my physical health, that affected my emotional health, and I really started to pay attention to my financial health because it wasn't getting us as a family. It wasn't helping us get where we wanted to be as a family. We have desires and needs and wants and goals as a family financially and doing what I was doing was not going to get us there. It also was making things not fun at home. I would give everything I had from seven to four every single day. And then during football season, it was after that, you know, coming home at seven, eight o'clock at night. And I had nothing left to give to my own kids and my wife. And that was absolutely unfair to them. And I know, I know you, you as an educator, you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. And that's why I'm doing this. To help people figure out how they can give everything they've got from seven to four and still have more to give when they get home. That's why I'm here. And I think that's why you're listening. And I hope that's why you continue to listen. So for me, I um, started paying attention to my physical fitness. I reached out to a friend who was an educator and had a lot of the same frustrations and discovered that she could help people in a different way and make a better income. And so I reached out to her. It was through a physical fitness program called Beachbody. I absolutely love it. I still do it to this day. And we're talking, it was March of 2016, I think. So we're two and a half plus years in of working Beachbody almost every single day, minus the occasional rest day, right? Um, Absolutely loved it. Uh, Still love it, still do it, and still work with Ashley um, on a regular basis. She has, during that time or right before, I think, left education, is doing Beachbody full-time, has allowed her to work from home, more flexible with her family, obviously, and she still gets to help people. Um, She will be a future guest for this podcast. Um, I know that for a fact. Uh, So, uh, physical health, started to pay attention to that. Through that physical health kind of transformation, I started to pay attention to my personal health, my emotional health. And part of um, the physical program, the physical fitness program that I was involved in, Beachbody, um, um, personal development is a huge part of that. And so, through our challenges, we had uh, books that we were reading and topics to discuss, and I fell in love with reading every single day. I hated to read in high school because I wasn't reading the right stuff, right? Shakespeare and whatever else you read in high school. I, I hated it. I couldn't stand it. In fact, I made up a book report one time because I didn't want to read a book. I created a book and I invented a book and I wrote a book report about it. And I got an A. An A to create a book and make it up. I hated to read. Now I love it, it's part of my day. It's at least 15 minutes every single day and I try to cram in more if I can but I tend to 
keep pretty busy and 15 minutes in the morning is about what I get. And uh, everything I read now is stuff that I want to read. I don't pick up a book unless I want to read it. If it's recommended to me, I'll check it out. If I don't like it, I'm not going to buy it. But more often than not, if it's recommended to me, I'm reading it. I don't read sci-fi. I don't read fiction. Um, I want to learn. I want to take stuff from that book and I want to implement it in my life every single day. And that's a big part of what Beachbody brought to me as a human being, as an individual. And so uh, between physical fitness, now the personal development, I really started to pay attention to those two things. And um, it wasn't, it didn't take very long in my physical fitness journey and transformation for me to start feeling better in the classroom, which at this point in time, I was not in the classroom. I guess I was um, administration overseeing a building of staff and about 100 kids. Um, my interactions with kids started to kind of pick up a little bit and get better. I felt better about showing up every day. Um, and I noticed that I had more energy when I got home, which was astounding to me because I was getting up at ridiculous hours to work out so that I could get that in before I went to school. And I had more energy when I got home and I didn't need the 32 ounce Pepsi, the caffeine that was in that. Was in that. I didn't need that anymore. But I had more energy when I got home, which was crazy to me. Now, I was in bed early, which has never been an issue for me. I lay down, you give me about two minutes and I'm done. I'm out. Um, so, but, but the energy levels that I had throughout the day, at the end of the day when I got home to hang out with my kids and stuff, so much better. And then the personal development piece, I was learning things in these books that I could take to my staff, to my kids, and I was having better conversations with my staff. I was having better conversations with my kids. My, my building management got better. Uh, my interactions, my relationships got better with everyone because of the things I was learning from these books. And I was starting to feel better. Um, so uh, the financial piece really didn't come into play. Excuse me. Um, I guess probably until maybe the last year or so of my career um, when I really started to pay attention to real estate and how that was working and, and wow, I can make a lot of money in a short amount of time. Um, I really started to pay attention to that because we had goals, you know, we have things that we want to do and uh, couldn't do them where I was at. So I wanted to seek out other ways to make money uh, while I was working in education. And that's where real estate came from. I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad and absolutely changed my mindset on financials. I still don't like dealing with bills and, and the money and that kind of stuff. But I got excited after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, and what is possible and learning and educating myself about money. Because to be honest, growing up, um, we didn't have a lot and money was always a stress. Always, always, always a stress. And I know my mom's probably going to listen to this, but I'll never forget one time. And mom, I don't want you to get upset with me, but I'll never forget one time um, I asked for my dad, I asked my dad for 50 cents for an eraser. And he got really upset. Didn't understand why we had to provide 50 cents for a school supply that he felt that the school should be providing. And I didn't have an answer. I just knew that my art teacher was selling erasers and I needed a new one. And it was an art eraser. It was different than the pink 
rubber erasers you get at Walmart. If you're an art guy or a gal, you know what I'm talking about. And I needed an eraser. Um, and I don't know what ended up out of that, but I just remember my dad was, he got really upset about me asking for 50 cents for an eraser. So I, I didn't go back. I didn't ask for money again. Um, I didn't, I didn't like doing that. I, I was embarrassed. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't want to ask my parents for money. And so, I mean, there were a few occasions where obviously I had to for some things, but, um, I really didn't want to depend on my parents for money. Obviously it was a stress for them, at least for my dad. And I didn't want to inconvenience them in that way. So that's kind of my where I'm at with that money piece. I just don't like it and that plays a big part in it and I'm doing, I'm working really hard to change that for myself and for my kids. Um, my wife has a great head on her shoulders in that respect and I am so grateful for her in that because she keeps us in line. Um, so that kind of changed my mindset on the financial piece. I'm really excited about it now. I still don't like dealing with it but I am excited to change that for us as a family and I'm excited and open to new opportunities financially, business sense, whatever. So that's kind of where I'm at currently. Um, and I, and I do want to finish this episode talking about the state of education and kind of where we're at, um, and where I think we're headed and how I think we can get there. Um, if you're listening to this and you're involved in education, you know, the state of education, the culture is terrible. I would never, ever recommend anyone go into education. In fact, people have asked me and I said, why? Why would you go to get your brains kicked in every single day and come home pissed off and not, not want to deal with your family? Why? Well, it's rewarding. You bet it is. It is, but it is so stressful. Until things change culture and climate wise, I would never recommend anyone go into education unless they have the right kind of heart and I know that they can deal with the stress and getting the shit kicked out of them every single day. But I haven't come across that person yet. And it sucks, man, because it is so rewarding. The things you get from kids, not material things, but to listen to kids say thank you and to see them five years later and to say thank you, it is so worth it if you have the heart and the right mindset handle it. Um, so with that being said, the current state in education is terrible. Um, finances are down. I, I do think that districts can do better with money, but overall we need more. And people complain about that. Why do you need millions more dollars? Why, why, why? It provides a better product for people. And, but that's not the biggest piece. I don't think financial is the biggest draw or the biggest um, downside in education right now. It's us as human beings and people. And right now we're terrible to ourselves. We are terrible to kids. We're terrible to coworkers and colleagues. And we think that um, uh, a happy hour on a Friday or standing in the hallway or meeting before school, having coffee and, and bashing the state of education and bashing kids and, and bashing our coworkers, 
helps us feel better. You bet. There's definitely a, a, a psychological high from that. We immediately feel better. But then nothing changes when we get back to work. And so we don't do anything to make those changes, to change the way things should be going. Um, and so my goal for this is to change the state of education through growth, mindset, personal development for educators. We as educators must work on our physical fitness. We must work on our emotional health. And we must work on our financial literacy. We've got to understand that the $43,000 I make is not going to change except for small increments year to year. Understanding as an educator how to max out your financial benefit through your time. How to move across the, the, the ladder faster than we move down the ladder, right? How to maximize our profit from what we make in education, how to live within or below our means, um, understanding what assets and liabilities are. Those, this, these are educational pieces that are not provided to us over our time as students and over our time as adults unless we go seek them out. And let me tell you, change is hard. And it is hard to learn about these things and hard to implement these strategies, but they work. They absolutely work and they will improve, increase, um, and just simply make your life better in a classroom and at home. So what, what I've kind of taken out of my growth over the last couple of years as an educator is that we are missing a component in education, and I think it's the business side of things. And I'm not talking about how to run a district so that we don't lose money, but we also need to spend it right down to the last dime so that we get all that and a little bit more the next year. That's not the business I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in the business of kids. And we run our classrooms, unfortunately, not like a business. And before you dismiss that, understand what I'm saying. A lot of people think that business is cold and ruthless and sneaky. And you betcha, there are some business people out there who are all of those things. But when you think about successful, amazing, great businesses, and we talk about what has gotten them to where they're at and what is going to keep them going, these are business people who are agents of change, who understand the market, their ego is in check and they know how to treat their customers. So a real quick example of this business mindset and education that I'm talking about that I want to continue, continue, continue to push is your students. We think of our students as students. We know that they're human beings. Customers are human beings as well. We take for granted as educators that our, cut, that our students come back into our class for the entire semester because by law they have to be in school, right? That is a statement, that is a mandated piece that if they're under the age of 18, they have to be in school. And if they're not in school, they have to be withdrawn by parents. And we know when they've withdrawn, if they're not withdrawn, they have to be there. And if they're gonna be gone all the time, well, we're just gonna file truancy and we'll take the law, we'll let the law take care of that. Believe me, we, 
I lived it. I, I was a huge, I was a huge part of that in our program. Knowing the little bit about business that I know now and understanding how successful companies have become successful. It's how they treat their customers. It's how they get their customers to continue to come back. They don't lie to their customers and steal and cheat their customers in getting them to come back. They treat them with respect and dignity and they treat them like human beings. And they provide a service that wants, that makes the customer want to continue to come back. Well, here we are as educators, taking for granted one, that the kids have to be there by law, that the parents are gonna drop them off every single day, and the kids are gonna walk through the door, follow the bell schedule, be a robot, walk into our classroom, sit down, hear what we have to say, take a few notes, get up and go to the next one. And then we're gonna do it all over again. We take that, that, that's what we know happens. Let me ask you this. If your classroom was a business, you provided a product, and you have a classroom of 25, or a business full of 25 clients or customers, and they don't like your product for whatever reason, are they gonna come back tomorrow? No. And you're gonna have to shut your doors. And how are you gonna feed your family? So the goal of this is to understand how our students are like customers and what keeps them coming back. Forget the idea that they're required to be there by law. That's, forget it, it's out the window. I wish they'd take it away. Get that out of here, right? Your, your students come back because why? You provide a quality product that they need. We need to help them understand why they need art. The standard answer of, well, in our, in our district anyway, they gotta have a fine arts credit to graduate. It doesn't have to be visual arts, it could be performing arts, but they've gotta have two half credits of fine, of fine arts to graduate. So the standard answer is, well, you need it. You gotta have two. But how can I get kids to take four years of art? That was my goal as an art teacher. I want kids from freshman to senior. I wanna, and I wanna see them progress. So I provided lessons that were interesting. I provided a way to teach that was interesting, that was helpful to make the kid, the student, feel like a human being, to feel like this is a good place to be. I wanna to continue to come back here. Even though I only need two classes, I wanna take all four. Now, is that reality? No, and in business, if you have 25 customers walk in today, not all 25 are gonna be repeat customers. But the goal is to get as many repeat customers from as many customers that you deal with on a regular basis to continue to come back. In sales, when I learned, when I started real estate, one thing I learned in sales was that um, approximately every 50 people you talk to, one's going to say yes. So if we take that in, in students, 50 students, for some of you, that's two class periods. One is going to say yes and want to come back the next day. Cool. Do we pout about it or do we keep teaching to the next 50, the next 50, the next 50? And over time, that reputation builds hey, he or she's an awesome teacher. They, they, that class is so cool and it's useful. I understand how I'm going to need it. By year six, by year seven, the classroom's full of kids who want to be there, full of customers who keep coming back and talking about your business and referring other students and other customers to come visit. That's how business works. 
And we need to treat our classrooms like that. Um, for you traditionalists out there, I know that's probably hard to swallow, but we've got to adjust with the market. And the market's something else that I've learned about. The market's not going to pay you what you're not worth. You'll, you'll get paid what you're worth financially in the business market. Education's a little bit different. You could be the greatest administrator of all time. And a district's only going to be able, be able to pay you X dollars. You could be the greatest uh, math teacher the district has ever seen. But if you're in year three and you have a master's and no additional hours, your salary is what it is. So the market financially in education is different than the market in business. But our clients, our customers, our students are our market, right? That's how we determine how successful we are. Not by the number of A's we give. How many kids keep coming back? How many kids talk about your class? How many kids enjoy your class and refer your class to someone else? That's where I see education heading. There's a whole lot of more. I could talk for hours on this. I just absolutely love it. But I need to, I need to find an end to episode one here. I need to get this out there. Um, so that's kind of it right now for episode one. I, um, again, extremely passionate about this topic and I hope to continue, um, to touch and reach as many of you as possible and help you shape your classroom, help you, help you shape your experience as a human being in the classroom and then help you improve things at home. Cause if we're not happy at home, we're certainly not coming to the classroom happy can't be and that's impacting our client base our students and if they see that you're not happy stand in front of them why would they want to be happy taking your class right it's kind of where we're headed um, one thing I'll leave you with today um, went to a back to school night for one of my kids <clears throat> we visited all the teachers and that business you know and listening to each teacher talk for just a few minutes that they had, um, I put myself in my student, in my kid's seat, and put him in his shoes, put myself in his shoes, and I thought, which of these teachers am I going to like? Which ones do I think really enjoys their job? And I picked out three of the seven or eight, got home, and I asked my kid, I said, hey, let me ask you a question. When you think about your teachers, which ones do you think really enjoy their job? And he named off three. The same three that I named off. Here's the thing. I don't want you teaching my kid if you don't enjoy what you do. If you're not a happy individual, I don't want you teaching my kid. Bottom line. So I'll leave that, leave you with that today. And hopefully you can kind of let that sink in and take that with you. Um, please reach out to us um, on Instagram at Growth for Educators, Facebook at Growth for Educators. You can email me, um, growth for the number four, educators at gmail.com. And uh, as soon as I figure out how to do show notes and all that good stuff and get this loaded up, I will put that information on there as well. So 
Um, I hope you're having a fantastic school year. It's December. Um, I mean, not yet. Not yet. Whoa, easy. It's November. We're getting there, though. Rounding down the first semester, coming up on Thanksgiving break. January's coming, second semester. So how are you, um, what can you do to have a better second semester than you did first semester? And if it can't get any better, awesome, you had a great first semester. But we know that's not true. Everybody can get better. Everybody can have a better second semester. Have a great day, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen today.